Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our senior pastor, Emily Tadro. You know, this week at the table, we talked about the imperative of love, and um, it stuck with me all week, and we really were in John 13 through 17, and uh, we skipped a lot of it and landed in one spot, but I have been stuck in the story of Jesus um, at the Last Supper, and this amazing act of love that he did. Um, And so, if you will turn with me, John 13, where we're going to hang out today. I got to switch gears. I'm not taking my worship hat off, but I need to not sing while I preach. I love this portion of scripture. It's it's so beautiful to me. Um, and I love it in the Passion Translation, so that's the, the translation I'm going to read this out of. Um, so just jump in with me if you have your, your Passion Translation or just listen or read in your own favorite translation. But Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth. Okay, let's just stop there. This is the last night that Jesus would spend on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. So before he goes to the cross, before he dies. So this was what was most important to him. This is amazing to me. That he then said what he said and did what he did. This is what he really wanted to just drive home to his disciples, but these men and women and followers that were with him as he was ministering, his his family, this was what he wanted to give to them. And he said, all throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. I could just sit in that line forever. He had demonstrated all this time, all this time, all those years that he walked with them, he demonstrated love, deep love, and tender love for them. But now he wanted to show them the full measure of his love. Like, This is what love really looks like. And so, before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So, he got up from his meal He took off his outer robe, and he took a towel, and he wrapped it around his face. 
And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. But when Jesus got to Peter, he objected. Peter objected. And he said, I cannot let you wash my dirty feet. You are my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing. But soon it will be clear to you. So Peter looked at Jesus and he said, you'll never wash my dirty feet. Never. And Jesus said, but Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you will not be able to share life with me. So Peter, being the brilliant man that he is, said, Lord, in that case, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head too. And Jesus said to him, you are already clean. You've been washed completely. You just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you. For Jesus knew which one was about to betray him. And that's why he told them that they were not all that not all of them were clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe on. He returned to his place at the table. And he said, Do you understand what I just did? You called me your teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord, and I've just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I have set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each one what I have just done for you. I speak to you a timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life, happiness, and rich with untold blessings. Jesus says so much in that little part of scripture. Um, you know, the significance we all kind of, the obvious significance of foot washing is clean, right? But Jesus says that what he just demonstrated was not for hygiene. This was not about the obvious here. It's not just about the dirt on your feet. The significance of Jesus washing his disciples' feet is clear. He's modeling the heart of servant leadership. But it's also so much more than that. Um, in Hebrew culture, washing feet was a sign of hospitality and honor. And coming to dinner at someone's house was also a sign of friendship. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm making you know, lobster macaroni and cheese tonight. You're standing here. Why don't I invite you? Like, coming into their house was, I don't even like lobster macaroni and cheese. I don't know why I said that. Somebody here likes that. I don't know. But anyways, it's gay. Okay. Um, it's not just like, I have extra food. Come over. It was like, if, if this is, we're going to be friends. If you're coming into my house, this is a a sign of me honoring you. And many times it was a covenantal. It was like, I want to enter into covenantal friendship with you. And foot washing was also covenantal friendship. It was this sign of great honor. But you know, the people that invited the guests in were not the ones that washed the feet. They usually got their lowest servant to go and do the foot washing. 
It wasn't like, hey, you guys are all coming to my house today, so I'm going to wash all of your feet. It would be, I would go and find my usually lowest little servant girl. Because in that culture, girls were worse than boys. And so oftentimes they had like this little servant slave girl washing feet. And um, it was a sign of a great esteem and honor and friendship. The Bible talks a lot about like taking off of sandals and the significance of significance of that. Um, and you have to take your sandals off to get your feet washed, right? So there was all of these symbolic things that went into play when you would come into the house and someone would wash your feet. It wasn't just, let's get the dirt off. It is, let's get the dirt off, but there's a deeper meaning behind it. The lowest of the low were the ones that did the foot wash. And there was also a custom, if you were a rabbi, that your students would wash the feet of the rabbi as a statement of honor and a choice to follow this rabbi. Because this is a really big deal. Jesus was the disciples' rabbi. And so the students of the rabbi would not want to degrade themselves to look like a little servant girl. So they would actually put on a special cloak when they were washing the feet of their rabbi to distinguish that they weren't a servant. They were a student. And then they wouldn't be degraded, but it was this exchange of honor between master and you know, teacher and student, master and servant, okay? And Jesus is turning that whole thing upside down. Not only does he, the master, not only does he, the rabbi, wash the feet of his students, which this is totally upside down. This is totally wrong side up, okay? But he takes off his cloak. Anything that would distinguish him as somebody of honor of somebody has value and he takes it off and he grabs a towel and he wraps the sign of a servant around his waist. So beautiful. And I get why Peter was like, oh heck no. <laughs> and this is dishonor. This is not the way things go. You're dishonoring yourself, Jesus, and you're dishonoring like, you're going to make us get in trouble. That's what I read when I read this. But Jesus says, what you don't understand is that you have to take, you have to embrace this. Or you can't go where I'm sending you. You can't go into the life that I've invited you into. This is big stuff. And this is for all of us, you guys. It's not just for them. Like, we are those disciples. We are the ones that Jesus took his cloak off for and wrapped a towel around his waist. He got down and dirty in the dirt with us. And um, so Jesus took his outer cloak off, and he, there's so many things that he's saying in that. He's 
again, modeling servant leadership. He's breaking the mindset of hierarchy. We don't like to talk about that, but there's historically a lot of hierarchy and certainly Jewish culture, but in culture in general. Jesus is saying, I will do the job of a lowly servant girl. I will take off my reputation. And I will serve as, not just serve the least of these, but as one of the least. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to like say, you know, Jesus isn't saying to do well in life or any of those things. So don't hear me say what I'm not saying. But he is, he is, showing something for us. And every single one of you that are in this room that feel like you're called to leadership, if we don't get this, don't be a leader. If serving is beneath you, leadership is not for you. Amen. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom. Now, do some have gifts that are possibly more forefront and focused? Yes. The Bible talks about that. It talks about our part, different parts of the body. Some have more um, discretion and privacy, and others are more out in front and seen. And we need all parts of the body, right? But it's not about value or worth or significance or power or just value, really. It's, we are all called to that place of service. If you belong to Jesus, and Jesus is saying to his disciples, you can't go where I'm going unless you get this. We have to get that power trip out of us. And I love, I didn't ever notice that until I read it this week again. That the significance of Jesus taking his cloak off. It wasn't, it might have just been that he didn't want to get it wet and dirty, but I don't think so. Jesus was a very like methodical, well thought out guy. And like I said, Peter knows the significance of this move also, and he feels like it's out of bounds. And he doesn't want to be caught dishonoring his teacher. But when Jesus says, this is not about what you think it's about, and unless you enter into this kind of relationship with me, where you will allow me to wash you. Um, there's a line in this song, um, you guys might know it, kind of old, Randy Hughes, or Randy Wayland now, Ray Hughes' daughter wrote this song about grace. And there's a line in it, and she says, I'll wash my own feet, thank you, no. My Savior shouldn't take that place. Like, I get that. I'll wash my own feet, thank you, no. I will work out my own salvation on my own. I will earn all that you did for free by myself, because that's what a big girl does, that's what a big boy does. We work it out on our own. We want to earn the grace that Jesus paid for. Well, we say we don't, but we do it with our actions and with our lives. And Jesus is saying, I want to come into your mess. I want to come into the lowest place 
I want that level of vulnerability. I want to be able to be disrobed, that transparent, and come in, even when it's upside down, even when it's wrong side up, even when it doesn't look right, I want to come in and I want to just pour my living water on. I like the way Jesus says um, this to Peter in the message. He says, Peter, if you had a bath in the morning, you'd only need your feet washed down. You're clean from the head to toe. My concern, you need to understand this, is holiness, not hygiene. My concern is holiness, not hygiene. So now you are clean. And he was saying, your life in me this place of surrender to me is now where holiness can come and take root. How many of you relate to Peter? Like, no, please don't. Please do not. Please do not see me this way. And I don't want to see, I don't want to see my Jesus humble. I don't want to see my Jesus lowly. I would like you to still be that political power that I dreamed that you would be. I want you to set up your kingdom. He's still wrestling with that. That was what the disciples' whole hope was. They had a zealot in there that was like, let's turn the government upside down. And if, if we can't, then we'll kill everybody in our wake. They had tax collectors. They had all these people that were like, this kingdom isn't working for us. Jesus, you have words of life. People are thronging to your leadership. There's power and authority when you speak. You can do miracles. You put the religious spirit on notice. You must be the guy that's going to come in and set up like this really great kingdom. And Jesus is like, I'm going to get low. I'm going to come in and serve. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to do this through relationship, one person at a time. And I'm going to invite the person whom I wash their feet into the same type of relationship and leadership that I'm walking in. And this is a really big deal. And I just want to say, like, I know that we are called for a great kingdom purpose. I know that the plans that he has for us are too big for us to comprehend. They're amazing. There's world changers in this room. Like literally people that will change the course of time with just what we carry and we're kingdom people, and we're in the marketplace, and we're doing it nine to five, you know, Monday through Friday at our jobs. We're doing it in our homes. We're doing it in all the spheres that we have influence and that we, you know, work and play. We carry the kingdom. You guys carry kingdom ideas, blueprints that God gives you from heaven. Some of you have business strategies that will change things. For people, some of you have, you know, teaching ideas that will 
bring life into a broken educational system. Some of you have a heart of a mother and a father that will heal the brokenhearted in a way that we haven't seen before. Some of you are carrying deliverance and inner healing like we've never known before. There's world changers in this room. But unless we come in, taking off our cloak of hierarchy, taking off our cloak of position and authority and title and reputation, unless we come in disrobed, disarmed, with a towel, we will not have the same authority and influence and restoration and reconciliation that Jesus has. That's what Jesus is saying. And this very simple message, but this is like hard work. And I think in our hearts, we all agree with this. But before we can even get to the servant role, we have to let Jesus wash our feet. We have to be served first by him, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we did a lot of this in our ministry time during worship today. The Holy Spirit was coming in and bringing breakthrough and deliverance. And Jesus wants to come in and wash us. We've been walking around with the dust of life. We've been walking around with the cares of the last several really difficult years. The families that we all love, that we're praying and contending for our children, our neighbors, our friends. They're just Some of us have broken hearts in here today. Some of us have been frustrated. Some of us need breakthrough for homes and jobs. We take all of those things and we allow the washing of the Lord to come and wash us. Not just for cleansing, but so his life will be in our life. And he will come and release this holy in us. I want to be holy as he is holy. Like we, we've been talking about this in our Forge cohort. You know, we think we need to separate ourselves so often in order to keep our holiness. We don't want that sin to get on us. But the very thing that the world needs is for our holiness come in and invade those spaces and let holiness change the atmosphere. And that comes by being washed. First being washed by the one who made it possible for us to be holy in the first place. I hope I'm making sense this morning. Every situation that bothers you this morning, everything that you're carrying in, that you are contending for, the very thing that is needed for the breakthrough is in you. It's alive on the inside of you. If you belong to Christ, and even if you don't know that you belong to Christ yet, you are his child. You carry his DNA. 
And once you say yes to Jesus, your eyes are open to see the kingdom in a brand new way. I know most of you in the room, and I know that most of you have said yes to Jesus. When we do that, we are flooded with all that he is. And it's a journey in growing in relationship. And it's a journey in growing in, you know, letting some of those things of life fall off, right? Sanctification, if you want to call it that. We like that word. Good church word. But the work is finished and it's done already. The process of our surrender and us saying, okay, Jesus, then don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and head too. That's actually how the sanctification takes place. And his holiness fills us. And then we, like Jesus, go with our towel into those spaces and we bring his kingdom with us. We bring his holiness with us. We bring that same washing of people's feet with us. There's something of inheritance and grace that Jesus is showing his disciples here too. Um, by removing their sandals, he is displaying for them. This is something that uh, I saw in the Passion. Where, um, and then I dug into it a little bit. He's granting them a new inheritance, and it's his own. It's what I was just sharing with you. The sandal is often used in covenant. Like they would remove the sandal and there would be, um, it would be like a sandal would be raised or a sandal would be given. Uh, it's a weird thing to do, but that was their culture. And, um, and so he was not only washing off defilement and all of those things, but there was this thing of inheritance. And the God said to Moses in Exodus, Take off your sandals, for the place that you stand is holy. There's this place of coming into holiness when we take off our sandals, and we allow our feet to be washed. Then he said to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given to you as I gave to Moses. So again, Joshua took off his shoes, and there's this thing of every place that I place um, my feet now. We've been talking a lot about Joshua. Every place that your foot touches, God is giving to you. That's what I just was talking about. Where you have influence, the Lord gives that to you. And then in Ruth, there is this sign of redemption and Inheritance again in the story of Ruth, and we don't have time to read the whole story of Ruth, but I do want to read a little bit of it. Um, if you go to Ruth chapter 4, um, the story is that, you know, Ruth, her husband had died, um, no one in their family, so she's, she's serving with Naomi, and she's going to Naomi's um, land, and um, and she finds this man who owns a field, and she serves this man, Boaz, and works in the field. And she 
basically presents herself to him and says, like, will you take me in? Will you, will you receive me? And not only does Boaz say, yeah, I'll marry you and, and make you my wife, but he has, there's this moment and um, where they're talking about, like, he can't actually marry her because there's this uh, unpaid debt and it has to do with her inheritance that needs to be taken care of. So this, in verse one, Boaz went up to the gate, sat down there. Behold, close resident, a close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And Boaz said, come aside, friends, down here. So he came aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city, sat down here. So they sat down. Then they came to the close relative, Naomi, who has come from the back country of Moab and sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you that can redeem it. I am next after you. So this guy wanted to buy the field. And, and Boaz um, says, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabite." the wife of the dead, to perpetrate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. And this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man would take off his sandal and give it to the other. And this was a confirmation to Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elder and all the people, you are witnesses this day. I have bought all that was in, uh, goodness gracious, a little mix. And that was, I can't read that, Chilean and Mahalans. I didn't practice these words ahead of time. From the hand of Naomi, moreover, Ruth, the Moabites, the widow of Milan, I have acquired as my wife to perpetrate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who are at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. Lord, make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper. And they keep on going down. But so Boaz takes his shoe off and he restores Ruth's family name. And he doesn't just restore the name, he restores the land. He restores the inheritance that was for her and her family line through this marriage covenant between her and Boaz and this taking off of the sandals and taking off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground, taking off your sandal because everywhere that I place my feet now, is given to me by the Lord, taking off your sandals to redeem and restore, and taking off your sandals to have your feet washed by Jesus. It's this whole thing of taking off. I have, what do sandals represent? Our walk. They, they represent stability and the ability to stand and do. For me, shoes, you know, ladies love shoes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Guys, some guys like shoes too. There are some guys that have way more shoes than I do, and I will not point them out in this room at all. But 
wearing in his hand. He has great shoes. That's not the point. There is something of reputation with our shoes. There's something of our walk when, with our shoes. I, I love it when the sin has their altar call. They have people take off their shoes and hold them in the air and then throw them on the stage as a sign of surrender and we will go where you send us, God. And every place that we place our feet is given to us by the Lord. There's power in that place of surrender. And how does this all tie into washing your feet? It does. Because all three things are represented in what Jesus is doing. He's he's saying, you have no life in me unless you can allow this place of surrender. He's saying, you can't go where I'm sending you to put your feet on the ground and take authority and dominion unless you've taken this life with me. And you cannot be redeemed and restored and your inheritance restored and your family name restored and your family dynamics restored and your relationship with the family of God, the, the, the big family, cannot be restored unless you come in and you allow this step of intimacy and surrender. And so these are all things that Jesus is saying, you cannot work hard enough to do this. This is a, a work of grace. You have to come and allow me to go into that low place in your life. And let me do the work. And this work of grace makes it possible. Jesus is grace. The very embodiment of grace. He is He is everything that we want to be in life. And I understand wanting to clean myself up before I come into his presence. I get that. I get wanting to have it all together and having my ducks in a row and saying, look what I did for you, Lord. Aren't you proud of me? I get wanting to have my family figured out before I come in and I offer myself to him completely. That makes a lot of sense to me. In a, in a natural world, that is the right thing. But in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' kingdom, it's upside down. It's, it's all messed up. And he's saying, no, I need you to come in just the way you are. I need you to come in surrender now. You aren't going to have power and authority in those places unless you let me wash your feet. Unless you let me come that close to you. You cannot make yourself holy. You cannot make yourself pure. You cannot take new ground without my authority working in and through you. But when you do, you'll carry restoration. When you do, you'll carry like the abolition of rotten culture. I love Okay, I'm a woman, so I love that Jesus came in and made it, like, I'm going to do the rotten servant girl's work. That means something to me. I'm a lady in a culture where I don't belong, but God says I do. In the church, we have had hierarchy for way too long. We've had 
men over here, women over there, you know, uh, economical status, all of these crappy things that are not kingdom. And we've done it because we're men and women who like to figure it all out and do it our own way. But Jesus comes in time and time again and he just breaks the status quo and he says, no, that's not my way. That's not my way. And he shows it through Boaz. I love the story of Job when at the end of the horrible thing that he's gone through, he comes in and he restores it all to Job and more. And then I think for the first time I've ever seen in scripture, he gets the daughter's inheritance. It's so powerful. This is what Jesus coming in and, and doing the unthinkable, like touching our feet and making us clean. And we don't do it ourselves. He just does it for us. This is the kind of stuff that happens. He changes the things that are not right. He brings transformation. He gives position, not position like for title's sake, but he says, you, have, you matter, you have value. He says, let the little children come close to me and don't send them away. The world needs to hear this kind of stuff right now. Our culture is like trying to get rid of kids. Through abortion, through identity stuff, like they're just trying to erase what Jesus says matters. Frankly, they're trying to erase womanhood. And they've been trying to erase what it looks like to be a man for a long time. Jesus is coming in and he's washing our feet and he's saying, none of these little status quo things matter. I'm taking off my cloak. I'm just going to be one of you and I'm going to serve. I'm going to bring my holiness into these places. That's what desperately need my presence. That's the very last thing that he did before he went to the cross. This is, this is the full measure of his love he desired to pour out in that moment. The full measure of his love to break boundaries, to break just things that are oppressive and are not right, and he did it subtly. It's like you could miss it if you don't look close. And he says to each of us, if you want to have the influence that I have, if you want to go where I'm going, this is what you need to do. What does that look like for us practically? First, I think it looks like allowing Jesus to wash our feet. And that can happen in a, in a prayer time. That can happen in a moment where we are one-on-one, face-to-face with the Lord. It could happen from someone in the room saying, I feel like God's saying, I need to wash your feet. We're not having a foot washing service this morning. Don't worry. Some of you are too weird about your feet. <laughs> Seriously. Man, we did the pastor's conference and we washed the feet of the pastor. What a holy moment. Those of you that washed feet, what an honor, right? And you can feel the presence of God just come in and love on people. And it wasn't just because we were getting low and washing the dirt off, although we were. There was this thing that it was like you were a stand-in for Jesus. That happens sometimes. 
But I also feel like there's this place of surrender that we come to where we allow the Lord to speak to us and do the work that he does by his spirit. And then we actually go and do the same thing with other people. What does it look like for us to wash the feet? of those that we are called to raise up. If you're a discipler, what does it look like to serve and love and to minister the, the ministry of reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness and to model what it looks like to be a servant? If we're discipling people, that's the kind of leadership that we need to be displaying. And breaking, like, okay, the boundaries. What does it look like to wash the feet of the guys that were doing cocaine in our windowsill on last week? What does that look like? Their drugs aren't going to get on me. I mean, maybe they will, but, like, I'm not going to become an addict because I go and Love on them. I bring my holiness that God has put in me. No, they shouldn't be doing drugs on our windowsill. There's little kids that can get their fingers in it and stuff like that, right? So we said, don't do that. Stop. But what does it look like to bring holiness into that moment? We have all these wild situations that we're a part of. And I know that you guys do too. What does it look like Come in those moments and come in low. Not changing who you are. Jesus didn't change a minute of who he was. Didn't change who he was. Take his cloak off. Did it? He was still the son of God. He knew who he was. It didn't matter what coat he had on. See, the, the students, they need to have their little special badge that says, I'm not a servant in that time because they didn't want anyone to. They, they were walking around like people that didn't know who they were, right? If they knew who they were and they were walking confidently in that, they wouldn't care that they had a little badge that said so. And I'm saying that to us as powerful sons and daughters, powerful followers of Jesus. We need to walk in sonship and not worry if anyone notices what we're doing. Not worry if it gets captured on Instagram and posted for people to see and like and follow and all of that, right? Like, I mean, that's just the culture that we're in. It's like, let's not do a service-related thing unless it's in the paper or somehow there's notoriety. And that's just gross. But powerful sons and daughters who know who they are, people who are filled with the identity and walking in the full measure of his love poured out on us, carries the full measure of his love. And we come in confident. I can be a servant all day because I know who I am. And I clean around here all the time and on one hand I love it because that's just part of my personality 
And on the other hand, you know, my flesh goes, well, you're the senior pastor. You should have to clean the toilet. Just being honest. That's what our flesh wants to tell us. You have arrived at some sort of stupid status that you don't have to do these things anymore. And I just want to say that's not the kingdom. I'll probably be cleaning toilets till I die in this place. So, well, it's okay if I do, because that is, it's not, it is not beneath me. And loving people that don't look like me is not beneath me. And loving people that I don't understand and that politically frustrate me is not beneath me. And there's a lot in this too. We could go into the whole thing. I'm not going to do that. But we could go into the whole thing about like Judas was present in all of this. That's another element of God showing a, a level of humility and vulnerability and just like crazy love. He washed Judas's feet knowing he was sending him to be tortured. And he still offered him covenantal friendship. That's amazing. People that will hurt you. People that might betray you. People that might throw you to the wolves. What does love look like in this modern day of crazy America and all of that? Well, it looks like taking off your title and getting love and love and allowing that same love to flood and fill you and heal you. And so... I hope you guys understand what I'm sharing this morning. Um, you, can't, you can't make yourself holy. You can't purify your own life. You won't take new ground without Jesus' authority working in and through you. We can't be holy unless we embrace this holy. But what we can do as we do that is we can shift culture, bring the kingdom culture. We can bring in the culture of humility, service, generosity, seeing people and the value of each one. We can love one another. We can restore one another. We can live humbly with one another. And we can remember that in that posture, that every place that we put our feet what happens? You take ground. Every place that you place your feet, you take ground. Take dominion. And you release to the people around you that which you've been given. And unless, and what I heard Jesus saying when he was talking to Peter, is unless you embrace this, even the possibility of the ones that you've taught and pulled in close maybe betraying you, unless you give yourself to this type of love and not hold people at arm's length and um, then we can't fully take part in what he has available for us. I don't want to miss anything that he has for me. And if this is the full measure of love displayed, 
Then I say, then wash my head and my hands too. Don't think. Let me be totally just overwhelmed and poured over by you, Jesus. Um, why don't you stand? I feel like I feel like the Lord is even, he's been kind of nudging some of us. Um, and, and maybe you don't even fully understand what I was saying this morning, and that's okay. Because I think there was quite a few of Jesus' disciples that didn't fully understand you. Um, but I think we can all understand that we want whatever Jesus is giving us. And whatever he says is important, we want to make important to us too. And so, um, Lord, we want to allow you to wash up and to see all of the things that we might not want you to see. And actually think some of you in response to this that you just might want to take your shoes off. But Lord, would you come with your holiness? Would you come in that covenantal friendship that washing of feet represents? We take off our sandals, Lord. We come into agreement, Lord, that we um, we recognize that the ground that we stand on is holy because you have made it holy, Lord, not because there's anything special about this ground necessarily, but God, you have made this, this time and this moment holy, Lord, and so we recognize that, Lord, we surrender. And Lord, with that, we say, come and wash our feet. We step into covenantal friendship and intimacy with you, and we don't want to hold anything back. Lord, I don't want to earn my own grace anymore. And in any place in me that that is still at work, God, I surrender and I repent. And I say, holiness, come and make me holy. And Lord, we thank you that you, you bowed low and you bought back our inheritance, Lord. You restored our name. You brought us into family. And Lord, I thank you that just like Ruth, um, you released salvation through her family line, Lord, and you have brought us into a relationship with you, and you have saved us, Lord, and now through our family line, because we are aligned with yours, we bring salvation to people that we come in contact with. Lord, thank you that all of these things are our inheritance. And we say yes to that. 
And from this day, Lord, I pray that we would walk out with the awareness that every place that we place the soles of our feet, God, you have given to us to break the bonds of injustice, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set free those that are in prison, <laughs> to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, the Lord's favor. This is who you've made us to be, God. And that's what this exchange is. Come and wash my feet, Jesus. Come and wash our feet and make us sleep and feel that redemption in us, Lord. Not that the washing of our feet is salvation, but it's just allowing that work, the finished work that you did for us, Lord. Take root, take hold. And so, Lord, um, just allow this to speak to us. Holy Spirit, you speak far better than I do. I pray that you would kind of chase us down this week with this word, Lord, that you would even remind us, I'm washing you clean of this. Give it to me. I'm washing you clean of that. Give it to me. Lord, that we would be in this place of surrender all week long. God, and I pray for a breakthrough on people's lives, Lord. Some of the things that have felt shut up and hindered Lord, as we come into a place of surrender, Lord, I thank you that you are opening up those doors. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.